0: Hey guys it's christian here i just wanted to start this podcast out by just saying thank you guys so much for all the support that you have given us over these years uh we've been doing this for a little while now and it's been an amazing amazing ride uh given that there are some great episodes that we have talked or that we've recorded in the past that we want to share with you guys uh once again right so we're going to be doing a couple recast episodes uh and it's just mostly it's because our schedules are a little busy right now. But don't worry, we're not going anywhere. We're going to keep on recording and getting you guys that amazing content that you have grown to love and enjoy as we release them. But don't worry. Like I said, we're not going anywhere. Uh, so sit back, relax, enjoy this episode. Uh, yeah. Welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast, and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. I'm Christian. I'm Chris. And welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining us this lovely day, evening, afternoon, whenever the hell you're listening. It's totally up to you. It's a podcast. You can listen whenever you want. But just thanks for joining us. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, exactly, right? Happy
1: summer. Yeah.
0: Happy summer for now, and then if you're listening to this in the future, whatever season it may be. And who knows, maybe time has reached maybe the time point stops. where it's summer again or you know, global warming has continued to happen and it's summer forever. So, yeah, happy eternal summer, everybody.
1: Welcome to Mars. Yeah,
0: it's great. <laughs> Yay, poop potatoes. Anyway.
1: <laughs> Whoa.
0: Hey, if I learned anything from media is that we will be growing potatoes on Mars from our own shit. It's the only way to survive. Well, it's fertilizer.
1: We technically already do. That's
0: true. That's a good point. It's gross to think about.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, it's gross to think we eat mushrooms and that mostly grows off of poop, but yeah. That's a
0: good point. I love mushrooms.
1: Same. Mm-hmm. Poopier, the better. Mm-hmm. Poop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> what the fuck? All right. <laughs> Alright, so like we always do, why don't we jump into those joyous plugs so we can spread some love in the air, you know, show some respect to all those people out there doing the work or just shining some light on something we enjoyed this week. What do you got for us, Chris?
1: Um, I think a big thing is I'm like, I got two things. I finally like right at the end of Grandia. And it's just, it's been such a good experience and I'm, I'm really happy with it. Like I haven't been this happy playing an RPG in a long time. It's, it's rekindled that little flame I had. And now I'm like, I want to play through all these old RPGs now. Like that childhood wonder is back. And it's like, it's weird. Cause it's like, you look at it and you're like, Oh, this just looks like your typical generic game. But I don't know, it's maybe because it's so different, you know, you're not like, yeah, it's, you know, you save the world and stuff, but because it seemed so innocent, it just feels so different. It's, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it, but, uh, I just want to say all these new indie developers and even the ones that have been around for a while, it's, it's crazy what people are doing now, you know, like, yeah. Looking at all these releases coming out soon and early access, and it's just, it's, it's cool seeing the evolution, I guess, of like gaming. And I know we've talked on it before, but it's, it's crazy, you know, growing up, you know, in order to see a new game, you kind of have to play a demo from a disc and usually it would never really ran right and it just wasn't good. And then when the game came out, you almost always forgot about it. Yeah and nowadays like every game has a demo and a lot of times the demos like well not all of them but some of them transfer to the main game and i don't know and i'm gonna get lost checking out all these indie demos soon and there's just so many out right now it's crazy uh yeah i mean it's one thing
0: to talk about e3 and all the big things coming out but like looking at stuff like next fest on steam like just getting lost in that catalog it's insane to see what people are coming out with and i mean in my own personal opinion i feel like looking through that list is much more exciting than watching anything on e3 right now (laughs) like it, it like it's just more interesting to me because it's it's almost it feels like you're going to like Comic-Con and walking through Artist' Alley, right? Like it's a good point. You're seeing like these artists, these creators that aren't really well known, but they're putting themselves out there in a different way, and they're they're just really trying to push the medium and and just tell their own story, but they're not getting bogged down. With, like, these vicious deadlines, they're able to just kind of create what they want. And it's it's insane to see what they're making right now. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, I feel like the indie games kind of... I mean, I feel like it's almost usual when it comes to, like, E3 and stuff like that. They just seemed interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, the indie games during the Xbox showcase, Nintendos, and then there was, like, indie stuff, like, not exactly on E3 but they were like their own showcases, and it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. It, I'm really excited for that. Yeah, it's nuts, man. How about you? You got any plugs or anything?
0: Uh, For me this week, I mean, really, I, I'm just so enthralled and fascinated by all these new little crazy indie games coming out, all these little, like, like you mentioned, like all these new early access things, all these people pushing the envelope. But if I have to really, there's something out there that I'm really enjoying. I mean, okay. A little peek into the mind of me. I'm obsessed with competition shows. It doesn't matter what kind of competition show it is. And mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm. found a new one. Um, it's old now it's like on season four but I just found it so it's new to me damn it um, but <laughs> uh, it's like I can't even remember the name of it but it's like the next potter great pottery maker or whatever it oh it's a British show it's on HBO and it they literally are just making pottery but it's so interesting to watch people make these things and I don't know. I'm just a sucker for art in general. And then when you throw it into like a competition environment, I love it. It reminds me of like next British Bake Off, but with pottery, right? Like there's a competition going on, but everyone's so nice to each other and it's weird (laughs) to see that. (laughs) (laughs) And like, but what they're creating is so crazy. Cause like they have like deadlines of six hours to create an entire like dinner set. Right. And it's, like oh my gosh like that's so much work to do and watching these people like makes these things and then having them like break in the kiln something that's uncontrollable by them it's so devastating sometimes but just super interesting to watch yeah
1: huh i have to check that out i feel like my only like art competition that i've watched at least recently was nailed it which i mean yeah uh. It's not really art. But. <laughs> it's fun though. That's definitely a it's fun the one. opposite of art. But yeah,
0: it's it's a great thing to watch. I mean, it reminds me of a there's one back in the day called Work of Art that I loved, but there's only one season of it, and hmm. it was fascinating. But it was like illustrators and painters that would that came together Ooh. and did a competition show, and I I wish maybe they kept it going, and I just never saw it again. But it's it was amazing that first season was just nuts to watch and that finale oh my gosh I just I still remember the finale piece that won like that's how much it stood out to me and this was like maybe like 10 plus years ago that I watched it so it's it's weird to think about but yeah it's it's definitely fun to see creatives go at it like you know Project Runway and all that so it's just it's fun stuff
1: surprises me they don't have something for, like, graphic art competition like that. You know, like, make it a show. Mm -hmm. They get, like, a a theme or a character they have to make and then compete like that. That'd be kind of cool, too. Yeah,
0: that'd be interesting. But we'll see. Maybe in the future. I mean, competition shows are growing.
1: That's true. Are you uh, excited for our new season? I am very
0: excited for our new season. And... It's been such a crazy ride to think that we are, I mean, we're not that far away from 52 episodes, one year of doing this. Damn. And like, this is going to be what, episode 39 coming out now? Yeah. Yeah. So so it's just, uh, it's so insane to think about. And what I love about it, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm just still having fun doing this. And we've been doing this for We've been posting for 39 weeks straight, but we've been working on this stuff for more than 39 weeks. Yeah. So we've actually been working on it for about a year now. We originally talked about this concept about a year ago, maybe a little bit more. And we're finally like we're reaching the year mark of actually publishing and putting things out there. And the feedback from the community has just been amazing, amazing. And I love it so much. And I feel like the direction that we are going in is exactly where we need to be, right? Yeah. I can't think of like a better way of putting it, but it's just I think that's the simplest and best way to put it. And I don't know about you, like I feel like we can go into this a lot more. Maybe we'll do it for our Patreon episode. But this podcast has helped me out in a lot more ways than I could have actually imagined. Like for one, I'm deathly afraid of public speaking, (laughs) but here we are week in, week out, like we're, you know, putting stuff out there and I feel like I'm able to get a message across more clearly now and really like, yeah, like speak, speak my mind freely and be more confident in the words that I'm saying. And I owe it all to this, this podcast. That's for sure
1: yeah it, it's definitely helped my like social anxiety kind of side of things and i don't know i just feel like i learned a lot and i've always loved anything that revolves around games mm-hmm. and some of the research we've had to do or some of the episodes it's like i don't know it's cool it's like i learned stuff not only about like games that i like grew up with but I don't know, I feel like it's taught me stuff too, just in general. And it's it's definitely made me look at games in a different way Mm -hmm. than just like, you know, oh, this game's graphics are okay. Oh, no. Like, now I'm thinking like, okay, like, how did this game make me feel emotionally? How does it, what does it, like, is this exciting to me? Like, it's stuff like that, like breaking it down deeper. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it makes me really excited to keep going with the show and really like, seeing more new things come up.
0: Yeah, I think that is the perfect little segue into what the topic of this episode and the next couple episodes are actually going to be about. And last month, we went more into kind of like the cultural side, really heavy on the psychology and the sociology of gaming. But this time around for this next batch of episodes, we want to focus on the mechanics in games. And there's so many different ways of tackling this topic. Uh, And we felt like we wanted to kind of bring out the ones that have the most wide range, the most variety, and kind of break them Mm -hmm. down into a more uh, tangible level, right? And kind of maybe even show the evolution of that mechanic or mechanics over time, right? Yeah. And so I think a perfect way to lead into this today's topic and I feel like it's one that has changed the most over time, uh, as far as like gaming goes. And that is life and death in video games. But more specifically, Ooh. I guess the death in games, right? How we handle dying in games, whether it's losing a life or having to start a run over or losing all your loot and have, you know, like just that added challenge that they put into games where it came from where it's going like all the different ways that it's been thrown at us to challenge us to evoke emotions and to tell a story and it's just it's insane the amount of ways that it's been done and We've kind of, we've put together a little bit. We've, you know, we've got some of our favorite ones, ones that really stood out to us the most as far as, like, pushing the boundaries. But I think we should kind of start as to maybe where the whole life and death system started in gaming or kind of like a general, like, speaking about the early years of it first, right? I yeah.
1: Mean, yeah. I mean, think about the beginnings you know death in a game was just an excuse to put more quarters in you know you look at arcade era atari era like in television all of that like it was always like three lives and you know you had to find more to keep going and if you died well boom start the game over you know there wasn't for the most part there wasn't a story involved in those games so dying and starting over just made sense mm-hmm. you know and it's it's interesting because i feel like even that kind of mechanic with death is so different now you know the the whole limited lives arcade style is just it's even evolved over time
0: yeah like and the fact that we can use death now to even tell a story within a game is an amazing thing But, yeah, yeah, I mean, the original concepts for dying in games was literally the only way that arcades and, you know, gaming cabinets can actually make any money. Gamers needed players to die. Like, can you imagine if you made a game and put it out there for the world for them to play and, like, the, the player just never died? They just were able to go through the entire thing no problem, like you're not going to have a successful game on your hands. You're not going to have one that's going to catch the or you know, catch the attention of the of the players and keep people coming back for more. When you look back at the games that were really successful, they were difficult games and they were the ones that, you know, that people wanted to feed their quarters into continuously to either get that high score, to reach the end of the story, whatever it may be, but the whole trope behind it was, give them more money so you can keep playing this game, right? And mm-hmm. the games, like it, undoubtedly, a lot of those older games were just unnecessarily hard, right? Oh yeah, like uh, what was it, like a uh, Ghosts and Goblins, right?
1: Oh. Yeah. To
0: this day, that game is stupid hard. I don't care. <laughs> like that, like Metal Slug. Metal Slug is ridiculously hard, in my opinion. It's just like so much going on. And it. God, I love them, though. They're great games. They are amazing games. But if you look at it, if you think about this, right, if, if those games were easy and people were able to kind of just breeze through them, no problem, then we probably wouldn't really know about them today we wouldn't be speaking about them it's the challenge that got people excited yeah and then we start seeing these game cabinets these arcades going on to home consoles and entering the home well now i feel like that's whenever we start seeing kind of some evolutions in the ideas behind death in gaming and where it starts changing right you no longer need to make the player continuously feed you quarters you have them buy the system and then now they need to actually enjoy the game so you want them to kind of get through it right you don't want them to get stuck at some point and then just get frustrated never play your game again so you have to start kind of creating some interesting tropes some different ways of handling it and some games did it very well right and other games handled it not so well where maybe it's too easy the challenge isn't there or even it's impossible to die like uh for instance if you look at prince of persia one of the prince of persia games not it's the it's just called prince of persia there's no like subtext to it but it was the one i believe was on the ps3 where mm. you like it's a crazy parkour game. Artistically, I thought it was amazing. Sands of Time? It wasn't Sands of Time. It literally Forgotten. was just called Prince of Persia, which is oh. really confusing, right? Hmm. But every time you would fall off the stage, your partner would literally grab your hand and throw you back up on the stage. Huh. So when it came to like falling to your death, there was no like hard reset, go to a checkpoint, whatever. It was seamless. But then after a while, you kind of lose the the threat of falling off the stage and dying. And it kind of became less challenging, less fun, in my opinion. I still beat the game mm. and I enjoyed it. It was still really good. But it felt like that just kind of took away that that risk, right? There was no yeah. there was no chance of like, oh no, if I if I don't make this jump, then I'm screwed. No, if you don't make the jump, guess what? She's gonna fly out into the sky because she's magic grab your hand and fling you back up, and then you're both good, and you can just keep doing it over and over again.
1: So. It, it feels forced. Yeah. And something I've noticed with games now, which it's a cool feature, you know, with the accessibility side of it. um, You can turn on, like, a god mode or have infinite lives, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, I know, like, in Ratchet & Clank, you could have it where... You don't lose health. You don't run out of ammo. And I mean, for that game like that, I mean, it's it's already an easy game. But I think my, my first experience with that kind of like style was with control. Mm. And I hate to say it, but I did play it on god mode where I didn't lose health. <laughs> but in a game like that, it almost worked in a weird way because you have these like superpowers and it just makes you feel invincible and
0: as you should i
1: enjoyed the game and even though i had that where i didn't die i was like this is really cool like it it felt good playing it like that and i mean yeah i mean the game's not like it's not difficult but it just it made it more enjoyable And I was able to enjoy the story without having to worry about dying or anything. Well, it's like playing a
0: Superman game where, like, if you get punched too much, you die. Yeah. It's like, well, okay, no. (laughs) Right? Like, that just doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, like, with accessibility, and the cool thing nowadays is, like, because of that feature, like, if you're a trophy hunter, like, it doesn't, it almost never affects the trophies anymore. So, you can still get your achievements, trophies and have this invincibility thing on i mean could you look at us cheating eh, i mean you could but with such a busy life i feel like sometimes it does make it nice not having to worry about having the grind or stupid luck you know it's nice having that feature if i'm reaching like a little difficult spot i can just flip it on for a second and turn it back off
0: yeah which is nice i i see no problem with that i mean As long as it's not taking away from another player's enjoyment, then why not, right? Yeah. Like, that's the only trope that I would see where that might become a problem. Like, it's like a all those, like, play-to-win kind of games or, like, a battle royale. Like, let's say you're playing a battle royale and then all of a sudden you can just flip on god mode and not die. Well, okay, now you're messing with other people's enjoyment of a game.
1: Yeah. So that's
0: when it becomes a problem. But if you're just playing single player and you're just enjoying the story and there's a part where, like, maybe you're just too tired to, you know, really have a challenge tonight or you just want to breeze through something real quick because, you know, maybe at eat dinner or you got to get to work or whatever it may be. What's the harm, Right of just being able to flip that on real quick, still enjoy the story, still get your progress, and then go about your day. I I see no problem with that.
1: Yeah. It makes it nice. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, you know, a lot of other titles have really taken the idea of death and really expanded on it. I think one genre in general that has really, really taken death by the horns, right, is roguelike. Oh yeah. Like it, a modern arcade game. Yeah, basically, right? And the way they handle it is so amazing. And everyone has I mean, they're all similar, but they have their own little tropes here and there, right? Yeah. Like uh I mean, like if you look at what was it? Rogue Legacy, right? Whenever oh, yeah. when you die, you come back, but it's not you, it's you, like one of your um like what's a, it's not your spawn. It's a spawn, it's not an ancestor, right? Like it's a offspring.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lineage tree when you, like, play as a new character, you can see your ancestors, like, where you came from. But Yeah,
0: I think that's a really cool way of doing it where, like, it still implies the fact that you have one life to live, Mm -hmm. right, when, of course, it's a game. So, of course, you're going to be able to continue playing even if you pass away or your character passes away. But you can still continue the story on and roguelites do it really well and seamless where they might throw in a mechanic like the lineage system, which is great. And it just adds a little flavor text to the story or they have like, you know, artifact systems that you can carry with you across runs like Hades is great at that, right? Where you're able to oh, yeah. carry over artifacts or get new weapons and then try runs out differently and get new tropes and new boons along the way and just keep trying out different things until you find one that works for you and then maybe test out new way or new ways of playing the game that you wouldn't have thought of because from the RNG those are the only specific gods that they give you right so you're you're given different abilities that you wouldn't have normally played with in a different run or a perfect run quote-unquote perfect run for you but it's just very interesting how they set that up and I mean, one of my favorite parts about dying in Hades is the little guy that tells you is like, oh, looks like you were killed by a witch again. Got to watch out for those. Right. Or remember, there's lava and that burns. right? Like those little tiny little like just those little reminders of like keeping it grounded in the game and making it seem more real. It's just it's a nice touch from Hades. And that's for sure. And a lot of games do that. And it's such a, a great feeling to have where you're able to expand the world through your actions, even in death.
1: Yeah. I mean, that that is one thing with Hades, is, like, even when you go back and fight the same boss that you just, like, had beaten before, but then they, like, comment about it. And it's, it's just, it's cool little touches that it puts in there. It it makes it really stand out in some different. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, another game that does that, too, so you're talking about... Um, bosses that will remember you i mean how can you forget shadow of mordor right like with the whole nemesis system what an amazing system to have in place for uh gaming death right and for those who don't know about the nemesis system it's patented, so that's probably why you don't know about it, but apparently the patent might be running out soon, so it'll be more heavily known in other games but hopefully, yeah, we'll see it's a good system, so it really does need to be in place other pla in other titles as well. but let's say you fight one of the bosses or the like the mini bosses or general, and they happen to kill you in battle the next time you come see them or go and fight them, they're stronger, they might have more forces. And they remember you and they don't just remember you they like say something is like oh you're the one i killed before i'll make sure to put your head on a pike again this time right like like yeah. they really play it up where it's like i've taken you out before i'm gonna easily do this again and it just kind of like really stirs you up inside when you play that where you're like okay let's do this like round two <laughs> i'm ready for you this time and we can you know we can have a proper fight right and what's cool about it, too, on the flip side is whenever you defeat a general, then another person might will be put into place as the general, right? So like it could be like a brother yeah. or whatever, like a family member or even like an enemy of that person. They get put into place as the next head. And then now you have a new person to fight. And they continue on with that dialogue tree as well of like kind of expanding the world around you. And it's such a nice touch. And... It's very complex, but it just flows so nicely, and it just makes sense to have in a game like that.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely a mechanic I would love to see in other kinds of games. Like, it it sucks that it's, like, patent, mm-hmm. and I feel like the closest we've gotten maybe was, like, Assassin's Creed Odyssey with it, where certain mercenaries, there's, like, a tree of them, or, like kind of like a ranking system and if you lost to one it would go up like a rank but i mean it was totally shallow compared to like shadow mordor and stuff like that which you know that it was almost fun to lose to them just to see them rank up and then have that extra challenge of trying to take them down when they're like like three ranks above what they were when you first fought them you know it's it's definitely a cool system and it'd be cool to see that like say like in a space game where it's like mm-hmm. space cowboys or something and if they kill you, like they, they go up in like credibility. Like it just it'd be a cool mechanic that you could do so much with. Oh,
0: that would be a really cool like outlaw system, right? Like uh like yeah. maybe you're a bounty hunter and like what maybe like the world can continue on around you and the people that you're hunting are actually fighting each other too so there could be an instance in which someone you have like two bounties in front of you and one of them actually kills the other guy and now their bounty goes up because they're now a higher ranking outlaw but you just lost out on that other bounty because he's been killed by you know an enemy of yours like that could be pretty interesting. I would love That'd that. That would be pretty cool, actually. That'd be a really fun, like, online game to play where you're just a bunch of bounty hunters.
1: I think that would be really sick.
0: That'd be cool. Hmm. Hit us up if you want to make that idea happen. <laughs> right. WD, let's go. Yeah, let's do sounds it. sounds awesome, actually. I'd love to play that. <laughs> anyway, back on topic. So many other titles have done death in very interesting ways, and one area that centers around death the whole theme revolves around it it's it's you know like spilling out of its its bloody maw and you know the 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 idea of death keeps shambling back towards you over and over again and i'm wondering if you guys can get the hints but i'm talking about zombie games right and oh boy (laughs) like zombie games typically yes Right, you you have your Resident Evil, You come up, they they bite the hell out of you. You get smashed by a hammer, whatever it may be. You get killed, and you just start over at the last checkpoint. Right, typical of mm-hmm. typical gaming. No real big like evolution in the Very field. Innovative. Not not innovative at all. But it's something that we're comfortable with, and we know. Now the game Zombie U kind of took that and flipped it and made it really feel like you're in a zombie outbreak so in zombie you they have a very interesting mechanic in which when your character dies or actually gets killed they turn into a zombie right and then Mm -hmm. you now play as a different character and in order to gather the loot that you had on your previous run you have to go and run into the previous you now in zombie form And kill that zombie. And when you do, you actually are able to acquire all the loot off of that body now. I think that's a very innovative new way of looking at it where that just it feels real. It feels grounded because that's exactly how it would happen in real life, right? Yeah. If you take Chris Redfield and throw him out there and he ends up becoming a zombie, well, he's not just going to instantly, you know... Package up all of his grenades and ammo and send it to you in a nice little FedEx box, right? Yeah. He's just going to have all that shit on him. So what do you have to do? You have to actually go find Chris, kill Chris, and then get your stuff back. <laughs> and I mean, it just makes sense. And it's such a cool way of doing it. And I, it, it's, I mean, I haven't played Zombie U, but I definitely want to check it out now because of that mechanic. Um it might not be a great game, but it just sounds like a really fun way of handling that system.
1: I played a little bit of it uh, on the PS3 because I think it was PlayStation Plus game, and uh, I don't think I got really far enough to really die. So like, I never was really able to test it out. But the game was interesting. I don't know it. It's not bad from what I remember. Like, I remember kind of liking it, but I also am not the biggest zombie person unless it's like Left 4 Dead. Yeah.
0: Right, right. Hey, everybody. Just jumping in real quick. Uh, you know, just want to say, first of all, thank you for continuing listening. And obviously, you're enjoying it because you've reached the middle of our episode. Uh, but before we continue on, uh, we just wanted to remind you all that if you are truly enjoying what you're hearing and you want to learn some more about us... Uh, You can find us on uh, social medias, and we have links in our description. And you can find me and all the drawings that I'm doing on Instagram. at Kieran, and that's K-E-U-R-A-N. What about you, Chris?
1: Uh, You can find me at sloppycube on Instagram. That's sloppy and cube at the end of it. I do all retro games, or just games in general, so if that's your thing, check me out. You can also message me about ideas and anything I love talking
0: yep we both really enjoy talking obviously because we
1: are recording a
0: podcast so <laughs> if, if you want to join in the conversation please reach out to us on the discord and let's get right back into this episode <laughs> Now, talking about retrieving your loot, I mean, we can't talk about retrieving loot without talking about the Souls games.
1: Oh, yeah. You You gotta. Yeah,
0: I mean, if you want to talk about dying, oh, boy. (laughs) You've got to talk about Souls games. These games are just insanely hard. And if you have been living under some sort of rock and you have no idea what a Souls game is, it is whenever you continuously put your head in a blender and hold down the pulse button no i'm just kidding Uh, (laughs) it is they're they're amazing fantasy games that have really deep lore but they throw that lore out the window and just put really ridiculous challenges in front of you where you have to have amazing twitch like reflexes in order to learn all of the different tropes and the fighting styles of the enemies that they place in front of you in order to survive Now, the biggest thing about it is when you die, your souls get left behind on the body and the souls are actually the currency that you use throughout the game, right? So, Mm -hmm. in order to retrieve those souls, you have to go back to where you died and then you pick them back up. Now, the problem with that is, is that if you don't make it back to your body and you happen to die again, well, all those previous souls are now lost. It only saves one state of your dropped souls. So that can get a little daunting, and it just adds to the overall challenge of the game. And, I, and you know, it does make it very enjoyable because there is such a hardcore challenge behind it.
1: I mean... It's fun. Yeah,
0: they're fun games, right? I don't
1: know. It, I, uh... The thing with Dark Souls is like every time I play it, I'll play it for like a week and then I won't play it again for like another few months. And it's like now I'm at the point in the first game where I'm like, I think more than halfway through it and I'm like, I want to go back to it, but I feel like I'm not as I spend a lot of time learning how to like really play it well Mm -hmm. and going back to it, you just start feeling rusty. But Something that I like, and I mean, it's another, I guess you could say it's like a Souls-like, was like Hollow Knight, where when you die, your your little spirits are where you died, but you have to also fight like a little black shadow version of yourself, who is easy enough, but it has an extra challenge of trying to get your stuff back as well. Right. Which I thought was kind of cool. It It makes it kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, that's a really nice mechanic. I like that.
1: I love Hollow Knight.
0: It's such a great game. The art style is just beautiful.
1: Uh, hmm. Uh, man.
0: Yeah, it's actually one of my favorite visual games for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah that that art is just nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh
0: boy. <laughs> so. Spe- yeah. Go ahead.
1: No. Go ahead. So speaking about like kind of going back for like. Progressing the story and stuff like that. Uh, there's an older game that I kind of want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Where I played it on the PS2. I I guess it came out on the Wii 2, or Wii as well. Is it
0: Wii 2? I think. No. <laughs>
1: we don't talk about the Wii U here. Um, uh, talking about Baroque, which was a game I randomly picked up one time. Uh, I never knew it existed growing up and i saw it was an atlas title for cheap and i was like oh yeah i'll pick it up you can't really go wrong with atlas games mm-hmm. and uh it's very different than what i thought it would be it's um it's got kind of like a roguelike system to it where you're in this tower and it's kind of like a one life feeling to it an action rpg kind of style to it and in order to progress certain parts of the tower, you actually have to die. Mm. And, you know, you don't really know that until later on. So you're going to be like stuck and you're like, Oh, Hey, like I need to, it's like mandatory to die, which is interesting. Cause I feel like you don't really see that in games. Yeah. You know, it's, it's different, especially for back then too. Like that's really trying something different.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a trope that's not really used commonly in games, because I mean, like, so many people don't want to think about having to die in a game, right? Like, they want to win. Everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to be the hero of light. Everybody wants to be the champion of the game and just make it through and just muscle their way through everything, every challenge. But there's something to say, like, say about you know using death as a tool for progression. And it's a direct reflection on life itself, on our everyday lives. Through loss, we learn the most, right? Mm -hmm. And without loss, we don't learn from mistakes of our past, or don't grow, or don't push ourselves, or you know, try and develop things to better the world around us. If you imagine a world in which you know no one died. Then the idea of trying to solve a lot of our problems, whether it become like as far as like agriculture or anything like that or sanitation, you know, city building even like that, there's no reason to further develop those things because there's like we've reached a point of like status quo, right? Like there's no way of progressing. And actually there's this uh, little game, it's called uh, iOS Puzzler that takes that concept too, which is really interesting to think about where you have to actually, like, let's say there's a, a spike trap in front of you, right? And you have to mm-hmm. jump across it, but the jump is way too far for you to make it. So what you do is you jump and basically sacrifice one of your, your character, but the body stays behind. So then oh. that way you're your predecessor or your ancestor or their offspring or whatever it may be the next player can come up and use your body as a new platform to get across that trap so now they're able to make that jump because they're able to jump on your body and then you know jump the rest of the way so it's it's a much simpler it's you know very geometric shapes it's just squares and triangles and things like that um which i guess you could say that of all games but it's very simplistic <laughs> in its nature it's literally just you're just a square that's jumping around but it it's cool to see that idea of using past lives to test
1: to learn and to progress so
0: something different. that's kind of a cool mechanic yeah
1: sacrificing yourself for the next playthrough I like that
0: yeah something that I think needs to be used a little bit more and it I feel like it adds to even if there isn't like a story behind it you can make a super simpler simple puzzler I feel like that just creates world building in its own sense right like maybe the ground you're walking on is just a series of stacked bodies that you would never really know of but i guess that's kind of true with what we're doing now we're walking like when you walk on a beach you're just walking on a bunch of cells or shells that have been pulverized which were you know living creatures or right like it, it, you're walking across past lives
1: no matter what so it's that's kind of deep yeah. I thought you were going like to play on that, like you were saying, like walking on cells. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I guess the the body does shed. Yeah, no. <laughs> you are kind of walking on dead cells.
0: That's true, right? I mean, look at dust around you. It's just dead cells. It's gross. It's everywhere. Man, our past is everywhere. And we're just stomping all over it. <laughs> but As long <laughs> as you learn something, I guess that's all that matters.
1: <laughs> that's true. Here for the journey. Yeah. Uh, a little kind of segue. Um, something that I've realized recently, and this is more so with RPGs, uh, recently with playing the grandia, I noticed that it had like the old school RPGs had that one thing that I hated about them, where if you didn't save for a while and you got it stuck in a fight and you died, it would be at the last save point. And I gotta say, I, for- I don't know when the evolution happened where it's like, continue or retry the battle or, you know, obviously quick saves kind of or auto saves kind of change the game. But having that feature of at least restarting the battle before giving up is such a nice feature Yeah, and RPGs now, like, it sucks, too, when you're, like, going through a certain, like, dungeon and the only save point was at the beginning of the dungeon. You've already spent, like, 40 minutes going through it. And the boss is just this, like, supreme being that wipes you out. And you got to do that a whole 40 minutes over again. It's... It's exhausting. That's, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I get it. The challenge back then. Like, yeah, you just grind. But, I don't know. It It's such a nice feature now in games where you can at least have, like, a second chance or have the options, you know. Yeah. I,
0: I think the worst... Is whenever you go up to a boss fight and there's like a really long cutscene beforehand, and mm-hmm. then you die, and you have to start over at the last checkpoint, oh, no. and then you have to rewatch that, che- that cutscene all over again and just keep doing it until you beat them. Oh, God. Yeah. I remember that in Final Fantasy X, fighting Sin and Inject at the end. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I can't tell you. I forgot how many times I died, but having to rewatch that. Freaking cutscene over and over again, and it was so long. Like, I almost put the controller down and just gave up for how long it was, but I persevered and I beat
1: it. <laughs> yeah, those like unskippable cutscenes were daunting. <sighs> oh gosh. It's too or when you're fighting a boss that you're not supposed to kill, that you're supposed to lose to, but you're like giving it your all, using all your items and your spells. I hate that. Only to find out you have to lose. It's like, oh, come on. Like, give me my items back at least. Just make it a cutscene. Just
0: make it a cutscene.
1: So much easier. Oh, gosh. Those are the worst. So many elixirs lost.
0: (sighs) Too many. All my Phoenix Downs gone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now, death, we've mentioned that death can really, like, help you know, help us learn, help us progress. But I think one thing that some of the newer games that are doing with the death mechanic is using it in the story itself and intertwining it with it and kind of boosting the general theme behind it. And I think one of the, the great ones that did it was Heavy Rain. Heavy Rain's a great game and it's it's so interesting to see because it's it's multiple characters that you're playing and they're all the all their stories are intertwining but one of the crazy things about it is that at any given point the one of those main characters can actually die and when they do it's not a game over what it does is that it actually changes the story going forward So you might not, you know, you might not get any more knowledge from that character's point of view because obviously they're dead, but you can still continue getting knowledge through the other player's points of view. And it will change up how they interact with characters because they won't have as much information or whatever it may be. So it's a really cool way of keeping the story alive and progressing with it and just making it feel more real and grounded without just giving you a just a blanket you know game over screen because with a game like heavy rain you want to keep the immersion alive right you want to make sure that Mm -hmm. the player is always continuously thinking about this title and if they see a game over screen nothing more will break the immersion than that where it's like okay game over well great let me just start that over, I'm going to make the right choice this time, and then we'll, we're good, we'll just continue on with the story, right? Like In that instance, there is no right choice, there's just the choice you made and now you have to live with it. So it's a really, really cool way of handling that. I really enjoy that. That's
1: different. I've never had the opportunity to play Heavy Rain. It's I have it, but I just never touched it. I feel like I really should now, just because it sounds so different.
0: Yeah, it's it's a cool way of doing it. That's for sure. Yeah, there's so many different ways of handling that. But I mean, like, even like, what is it? Uh, Hellblade. Hellblade has such a cool way of handling it. So, for those who don't know about Hellblade, Hellblade is an amazing game in which you are a female protagonist that is. Uh, I think her name's uh, what was it? Senua. Senua, Yeah, where you're trying to, you know, basically just avenge your lover's death, right? But y- the way it is, the way it was designed, it's actually a game about schizophrenia and mental disorders. And when you die, like as your character is going through, it's like kind of like cutscene. It's like mini cutscene, at least of its death of their death. Um, you kind of are thrown at this weird camera angle in which you are now watching yourself die. And if you listen to the dialogue, you can hear yourself yelling at you, saying, look out, get up, get out of the way. You know, like you're you're talking to yourself from the outside, telling you to get out of the way of this final death blow. And then when you come back or you're resurrected or whatever, maybe or you start over at the last checkpoint, your character looks at their arm and there's a slow like a a creeping black ooze that's going up your arm and there's that idea of the risk of which in if this black ooze or this this gunk reaches your brain then your mind is now dead and you're basically taken over by your own internal darkness which is just an like a forever fear for people who have a mental disorder uh on that level of schizophrenia of just completely losing yourself. So I it's just another amazing way to continue the theme and just boost it even further with the use of the death mechanic.
1: That's kinda cool. Yeah. It's a trip. I've played it but I never got to the point where like I like I died or anything yet. So that's actually Interesting. I wonder I wonder how many chances you have where until you get fully taken over.
0: Well, peek behind the curtain, apparently there is no way of actually getting fully taken over. But um, you feel it when you play it. Like you feel like you're going to lose yourself. Gotcha. Which is a really it it just speaks to the writing, right? of the game of how like even you as a player you feel so much for this character not only do you want to help them like avenge their loved one it, it just and everything about it from the way that the sound design is where you're hearing voices around you you feel like you're slowly going more and more insane yourself and then with the way that the deaths are scripted out like that it's just so intense it's just all of it coming together just adds this amazing just intense emotion when playing
1: the game. Huh. Yeah. So I got a question for you. Shoot. What are your thoughts on, like, say a game like Fire Emblem where, I mean, they have it now where you can turn off permadeath, but well, how do you feel about games where, you know, if you lose one of those characters from your army... uh you know, you won't see any more cutscenes of them, or you know, you just you miss out on content. Like, do you do you feel like it feels real like that, or is it like something that annoys you?
0: If you ask the middle school version of me, I would say I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> like the first time I played Fire Emblem, I absolutely hated the fact that there was permadeath, and I can't tell you how many times I reloaded saves <laughs> whenever a character died in battle so that I can just do it again so that I can make sure everybody survives. But now yeah. looking back at it, I really enjoy that that system, that mechanic because it adds more threat to the game. It just it adds that tension that I think is necessary in a game like that cuz the original Fire Emblem games were very like slow-paced in the combat. It's tactics fighting, right? So, And some of those battles can go on for a very, very long time with you strategizing and moving pieces and moving them back and thinking about your best moves before you commit to one fully, right? So what's one great way of adding continuous tension throughout a battle that might last an hour plus? Well, it's the idea that you might lose one of your guys forever. So I, I feel like from a game design standpoint... I think that the idea of adding in permadeath to a tactics game is great. Or if you're adding it into a game like Heavy Rain where there's a heavy narrative behind it and you want to keep the immersion alive, it's fantastic. It makes sense. But if you have, like, I, I don't know if it would really work for other genres out there. But Right. What's your take on
1: it? I... I agree with you. Like, my younger self, I'd be like, I hate it. Just because, I mean, at times I still, I'm a person that wants to see everything in a game. So when I lose a character where I'm going to miss out on, like, say, you know, social links or cutscenes, I'm like, damn it. Like, I want to see it all. Even though, for the most part, you know, I'm not going to sit there and try to play. An extra ten hours to try and get them friendly to another unit and see all the scenes. it's just me like I like having everybody there, but recently, I feel like it's kind of changed like like you said, it feels more real okay. it uh especially with fire emblem you know it is it's a war, so I mean, if you lose a character, it just kind of it makes sense i mean it would suck if you end up losing like five units and yeah. one match yeah. but It's, it makes it interesting. You know, it it really plays, it feels more real than just a game then. And I think that's something interesting. Like it's made me enjoy Fire Emblem more and I really want to play Three Houses. I, I've been sitting on it for a while because I've only played the old Fire Emblems, like the first one and I'll play a little bit of Fire Emblem Fates Birthright, Mm -hmm. I think. The one on the 3DS, which it was okay. I I didn't mind it, but I want something maybe a little bit tougher because the game felt easy. Right. And Three Houses looks good. So, I mean, I've heard great things about it. And maybe I should give it a try.
0: Yeah. All right. So I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, so this was just a kind of a quick, i guess quickish <laughs> quickish rundown yeah. down on some different mechanics or some different games that use death as a very interesting mechanic and how it's slowly evolved over time to become what it is now and there's so many different ways that you can incorporate death in interesting ways into your games that will help immerse the player even further and i'm very interested to see and i think that's what really excites me the most about these indie games coming out is because those are the ones in my opinion to really push the boundaries and really try things new or try new things that like the aaa titles are afraid to try because they need to make their money right they need to keep their studios open so it makes sense that the aaa titles are going to be using the 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 tropes that work that they know work and they make sense Whereas these indie games are going to be able to experiment a little bit more. And I feel like we've been able to see a lot of experimentation in multiple different mechanics. But I still feel like death is one that has some more really, really crazy things to come from it. And I'm really excited to see where this medium takes it and how it can be incorporated into our own day-to-day lives. But yeah, so this is our first episode in this little tiny in our little season of uh game mechanics. And we're going to continue on with this trend and uh yeah, we hope you guys like it. We hope you enjoyed. If you did, make sure to click that link below. Go to their link tree. We have the links to all of our socials available for you guys. Make sure to hop into the Discord and join the conversation. If you got questions for us, ask away. We're open books. And if you have a recommendation for a mechanic or an episode that you want to hear in the future, make sure to hit us up and let us know because we'd be more than happy to discuss it and maybe even discuss it with you. You never know, right? Uh, (laughs) And Hmm. please, if you guys can, we want to say thank you so much for the love and support that everyone has already given us. And this community is such an amazing place to be. Um, And, you know, we would be completely different people without this show and being able to talk with you guys. But if you want to be able to support us a little more and help us, you know, keep making such fun content for you guys. Uh make sure to uh become a patron. We have multiple things available for you guys. You can check it out. Some fun stuff in there, some little things that you might not even think about, but it definitely does help us out a lot. So please consider that if you can. Um and if you can't, that's okay. We love you still too. So don't worry about that. Uh but yeah. So that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for listening and uh, bye,
1: bye.